What is up? How you living? How you doing? How you feeling? It is the L-E-F-K-O-E man, and it is time to unwind and get ready for week seven of the NFL slate. Betting and extravagant conversations will ensue. Later on the show, we're going to hear from the illustrious Mina Kimes of NFL Lives and the Mina Kimes podcast as we dive into what are we going to learn this weekend? Learn a little bit. We're also going to hear from Crack Daddy. Yes, Bill Krakenberger of Crack Wins App, who's going to tell us some of the bets and whether or not the oversurge has officially turned. But right now, I get to hear the soothing, sultry tones of David Ingler. David, let me hear that jazz voice of yours, pal. I would be happy to scat for you on any other day, Lefko, but I'm just I'm just so broken up today. Did you read the quotes from Ryan Fitzpatrick about losing his starting position? So I read it and I immediately thought he's joking. He's he, he's he understands. And then I watched the video and I was like, if he drops tears into that beard, I'm gonna cry myself. It was that was tough to take. I forgot that happened after our pod. It was, uh, as you know, I'm very emotional about Ryan Fitzpatrick's career. I think of him as like my slightly older than me son. Uh, and he, uh, the, the way he talked about it, he's like, yeah, so yesterday was basically you get fired and then you spend four hours on a Zoom call with the guy who fired you and the kid that they're replacing you with. So that was awesome. I was like, God, that's right. Being an NFL quarterback is in many ways like other jobs. And you're just showing up. You're like, so I got benched. And uh, also, hey, how's it going? And whatever I can do to help the team, guys. Because from the outside perspective, you're going, what a perfect transition. If you are emotionally unattached, a three and three start with a defense that's starting to show life where people are getting healthy and a quarterback in Ryan Fitzpatrick that was able to guide you through to the bye week in which you're able to give this up-and-coming guy that the franchise clearly believes is the guy because you take him as a top-five pick, you give him an extra week to prepare for Aaron Donald and the Rams. From the outside, it makes so much sense. But I guess I never thought maybe Fitzpatrick doesn't want to stop because he's going, we have a chance to win the East. The Bills have lost two in a row. The Patriots look like shit. And Peter King's prediction of us winning the East doesn't look crazy right now. And it's, it's, I didn't think about that. You know who, you know what he did? He yeah. did his job. He got hired to be the starter for an NFL football team. And he did his job with a 95 passer rating through six games, one game out of first place in the NFC, AFC East. And you know, I'm a huge Patriots fan, but I can't help rooting for the Dolphins in this case. They're, they're a great story. And I want to remind you, I know we wanted to talk about some Super Bowl futures odds. I just want to remind you that six or seven weeks ago, the Jets and the Dolphins had the same Super Bowl odds at plus 8,000. Doesn't that feel insane now, just a couple of months into the season? The Jets now, plus. Plus uh, 1,000 to one. They're uh, plus you know, 100,000. Um, there was another big <laughs> yeah. move that happened uh, today of another team that seemingly is thinking about the future. Minnesota earlier this offseason traded to the Jacksonville Jaguars for Yannick Ngakwe. And I believe what they were thinking was, maybe we can keep this going. Maybe our playoff success, even though we lost Kevin Stefanski, we can still do this. And if we pair up Daniil Hunter with Yannick Ngakwe, we have maybe the most formidable pass rush in the NFL. Well, Daniil Hunter's been injured all year, I believe just went on IR. And the Minnesota Vikings just traded Yannick Ngakwe to the Ravens to repair up Calais Campbell and Yannick Ngakwe from their Jacksonville Jaguars days. The Vikings are one in five. 
Yannick Ngakwe was going to be a free agent after this season. Very similar to how Daniil Hunter was going to be a free agent after this season. I understand them moving on. Frankly, I'm not interested in talking about the Vikings because they're not going to be a factor. But for the Ravens to add a pass rusher, which was their glaring weakness, Yannick Ngakwe has been balling. Absolutely balling this season. Every time I turn on the Vikings, he's making a big play. Can you pull up the Ravens Super Bowl odds or or what it was like? Because I'm very curious. I don't think a pass rusher changes it, but it's definitely a big move in my book. Right. The Ravens are uh, one of the few teams that I've looked at here where their preseason Super Bowl odds have not really changed that much. Before the year, they were plus 650. Now they're at plus 600. Um, I don't think adding one player, you know, short of a quarterback being injured is going to shift the lines personally that much, you know, two or three wins in a row can definitely change the odds. Two or three losses in a row can massively swing the odds, but signing one defensive player, I don't think is going to, you know, single-handedly impact the lines. Although it is interesting. You mentioned the Vikings because I had circled them as well. They were plus 2,500 before the season, which is equal to the, preseason mm. of the Steelers odds they were plus 2500 and even better than the Titans odds at plus 2800 so again it's amazing how much can happen in the span of six weeks where we thought we knew everything in August like people are yeah. touting I know this I understand this here's what's going to happen and it turns out Vegas is just so way off on half yeah, of it's teams too. uh before the year I could convince you on almost any team is going to go to the Super Bowl and, and it's, it's because we're always thinking in straight positive results and we're not thinking about the other things that can happen. And obviously there's injuries that we can't control. But for me, what the Ravens did by getting that move, and I, I hope I'm not overstating it, is they looked back at the Chiefs game and they went, Patrick Mahomes had too much time and we needed to blitz to generate pressure because while Calais Campbell and all those guys are really, really good, none of them are speed off the edge. And that's how you get and beat the Chiefs is you got to get guys that can get pressure with three or four. And and the Ravens getting Yannick Ngakwe, I think, will go down as a huge move. Um, and I just I, – I really feel it. I know you looked at some of the season-long stats, and it's fun to kind of update. We were able to hit on Claypool and Herbert when we talked about this last time. Uh, which are the ones that you kind of want to start with before we get into some of the game spreads for this week? Uh, as you know, I'm still on my Chase Claypool victory lap. His odds have gone from 3,300 all the way down to uh, plus 1,500 now. So that's so much value there for rookie of the year. Chase Claypool, very much in the mix. Also, <laughs> when you first asked me, who did I like on October 1st? I said both Chase Claypool and I said one other person. I said Justin Jefferson, who hadn't even exploded yet. He was at plus 2,300. He's actually now down to plus 750. He's now third in line for Offensive Rookie of the Year. So I feel really vindicated about those two guys. And you know what? It's a wide receiver league. We came into this season in fantasy saying, like, there's a million great wide receivers. If wide receivers become the narrative, right, is there – there's so such a chance that a wide receiver with 10, 11, 12, 13 touchdowns could be the story of the Rookie of the Year. And if we're going to factor in the quarterbacks too, Bengals aren't going to make the playoffs – Herbert, it's very unlikely he does. Justin Jefferson, we just saw the He's the front runner right now still. The reason I get excited about the Chase Claypool bet is the Steelers are now looking like a team that is going to try and go for a two seed, a one seed. They're in that position. And Chase Claypool, unlike Justin Jefferson, is not just catching long touchdowns. 
He's practically a goal line back. He has two rushing touchdowns this season. So when you start hitting all these different things, you start scoring every week, and you're on a contender, it gets weighted more heavily. That's why I get excited. Also, I got both of those guys on one of my fantasy teams, both. And I will say that while my Eagles don't have Justin Jefferson, I'm glad that I personally can gain some satisfaction of having Justin Jefferson. Uh, Have there been any? Yeah, there is that thing. Just with with rookie of the year, I'm looking through these teams, right? You got Chargers for Herbert, Bengals for Burrow, Vikings for Jefferson, and then Tua is in the four spot, right? If he just comes in and kills it for ten weeks, maybe he could steal that award from Herbert and Burrow. That just doesn't feel very likely, though. Tua's number four. Number five, though, I'm eyeing is Clyde Edwards-Hilaire at ten to one because again, if we we know that team success can make player success, yeah, but amplify. So if you think so? You think he's going to get enough carries to really take it up? Or could they do like a little well, less split my, back situation? My fear is, is that the thing that I hate about the NFL is that at the end of the year, we look at statistics and they do not tell the story because right. Daniel Jones could throw five touchdowns in one game and they would inflate it. And I feel like Le'Veon's going to steal some goal line stuff. And so if CEH's mm-hmm. touchdowns aren't there, that's what scares me about betting on that. Who is there any other names after that? Do you have more names after a CEH? Just that T. Higgins is kind of this like a but fun that, story, that you know, and just keeps getting touchdowns. Of course, it does. Right? It would be impossible. I would not basically, bet on Derrick Henry or Tannehill because you're not there. It's good. It's like rooting for Heisman when it was Leinart and Reggie Bush. They cancel each other out. Exactly. Yeah. And then you know, C.D. Lamb's essentially taken out of it based on what we saw with Andy Dalton this week. He's in the uh, the sixth spot. Uh, so, yeah, so really it just comes down to the guys we've already mentioned. you got Jonathan Taylor, DeAndre Swift. Those are at plus 1,800, then a huge drop-off to plus 3,800 for guys like James Robinson, Antonio mm. Gibson. Yeah, I feel like the – and what's the value right now for Claypool? Uh, Claypool is plus 1,500. You can still get him at solid 15-to-1 odds. I told you about him at 33-to-1 odds, but, you know, if you didn't jump I, on it, then I get I also it. want to say that – Sometimes I look at, I, you know how I talk about when a player comes off the field, how do the other players greet them? Like that's a, that's a big, if, you know, it feels like mm-hmm. a little bit of a Bill Simmons type of theory, like the, the huddle. Theory. Yeah. Like all Body that. language. But <laughs> I will say this, when you have a guy on your fantasy team, you pay more attention to those games and the way that people interact. The way that Big Ben throws to Claypool is different than any other receiver. Go back and look at the Mm. big catch he had where he got tackled at the one-yard line. Big Ben almost was cocky when he threw the ball to him. And what I mean is is that, I'm telling you, go back and watch. Big Ben, he drops and he almost goes, and then throws it like it was like, and and, and Big Ben this year, Every throw is less than 15 yards, except to, except to Claypool. And I'm, I'm, there's something going on there that there's some trust. he trusts him on one-on-one situations. The same thing that I'm seeing right now with Travis Fulgham with the Eagles, where it's like Carson's willing to throw it up. Uh, I, big Ben allows his players, a lot like Ryan Fitzpatrick, to make really big plays that people remember. And so I could see that with Claypool. Um, it's interesting. I just wanted to mention, because I, I too try to ignore things like body language doctoring, but we're entering that season where I go to my only body language theory on both gambling and just sports watching that I really do believe is a true one, which is uh, whichever coach looks colder on the sidelines is going to lose. So 
So what about Tom yeah, Coughlin when his face would be like really red? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you look at look at guys like Mike Tomlin. Look at guys like Bill Belichick. They look like they're like yeah, they don't even know like what weather is. <laughs> um, okay, what about MVP? Uh, I would imagine that Russell Wilson and Patrick Mahomes are one too. Yes, uh, actually, I was going to ask you as a little trivia question. So Russell Wilson is one; he's minus one twenty-five. Yeah, no, so you actually have no to pay juice there. to get him right now. Patrick Mahomes at four to one. We always know that a team that wins thirteen, fourteen games with the quarterback playing like that. Four to one this late in the season. Rogers at six to one after that yep. putrid Bucks game. I feel like. He still only got one loss on his resume. There's still a chance that Rodgers is just as good as he was and he just had one weird game. Lamar Jackson at 16 to 1. I just don't see Lamar Jackson getting past those leapfrogging over those other three guys. I, I don't know why. I just don't feel like he lost it's in the primetime game to Mahomes. He got slaughtered. And that's Yeah. It's like a that's gonna get brought up yeah. in every but so we got Russell, Patrick, Aaron Rodgers, Lamar Jackson. Who do you think is number five? Because I thought this was a little is spicy. It a quarterback? Okay. No. Um, hold on one second. Sorry. I really, I, the problem, my problem with these things always is that I want to be right, which is bad for content. Uh, because <laughs> I, I, I'm sorry. No, I'm just throwing this at you. I'm going to say that it is, I'm going to say Derek Henry. It is. It's Derek Henry at plus 2,500. I mean, you, you round out the top 10. Big Ben, 28 plus 2,800, then Josh Allen, then Tom Brady, then Kyler Murray, then Ryan Tannehill, then Deshaun, then Cam. And it's not until you get to number 11 that you see Alvin Kamara. So Derrick Henry is the only non-quarterback in the top 10, and he's actually fifth right now. I think that just goes to show what the public is seeing with him and just saying, like, this is just a dominant performance for the ages, and maybe maybe there, he gets the nod. What Derrick Henry gives you is he gives you those, um, like, 80-yard runs that will lead sports center and that and that like you said mm -hmm. like you texted us right after the play and you were like it's not just his strength it's the fact that at that size he can break away from people um it's crazy and, it doesn't seem possible that's what he needs to do to win it needs to be what adrian peterson did when he won which is you gotta hit two thousand yards uh because you, he's currently on pace you gotta for get around there you need a shitload of touchdowns, but more importantly, you need to dominate. And so my fear about putting that much money on Derrick Henry, not only is Ryan Tannehill getting love, you mentioned he's in the top 11 also, but they are losing mm -hmm. Taylor Lewan. And I'm, I, I, I don't think that he's going to fall off a cliff, but like I would rather invest in guys that didn't just lose their left tackle. Um, so of the names that you've said, I feel like if you're going to go anyone, Mahomes at four to one. Uh, and then I agree with you. Now's the time to buy stock in Rogers because he's down. But I don't think anybody else that you mentioned really has a chance. I don't. Ben Roethlisberger at plus 2,800 was the one that just seemed a little out of whack, given that I think we all agree that team could have 28 to one right now. I feel like that team could get 12. 12 to 13 wins feels very plausible for them. And the quarterback of a 13-win team almost always gets that, the award. I believe that Pittsburgh, Ben Roethlisberger's defense puts him in a, in a situation to have success. They give him a lot of short fields. He they can, yes. they can be a little bit more risky and take shots. Also, the amount of times I've seen this year on third and one and fourth and one, them go deep. 
those are moments for Pat, uh, for, for Ben. And also when I look at it and he gets two games against Baltimore. And so those will be prime time games. Um, and also they face the NFC East. And so when I look at Pittsburgh's schedule and I see that on November 8th at 425, which you know is going to be the game of the week, this is the schedule right now for Big Ben. And this is what's interesting about you telling me he's 28 to 1. Next week, they play the Titans. And while I love Derrick Henry and that offense, you know whose defense secretly sucks? The Titans. Don't forget that Sean just hung up 30 on them and that the Titans have allowed some really big-time games. Then it's at Baltimore, and then it's at Dallas. It is three games in a row, contender, contender, Cowboys, and we know how bad that Cowboys defense is. So I'm just saying that if the Steelers somehow get through these next two weeks and knock off two of the top contenders in the AFC, and then you get what I would imagine is a Joe Buck, Troy Aikman, 425 game in prime time at the star, and Big Ben has a chance to hang up 40 on the Cowboys, and they're sitting there at 8 0. Big Ben might be a favorite for the MVP. So to get him at 28 to 1 now, that's pretty good odds with what could be an interesting schedule because after the Cowboys, it's Cincy and Jacksonville. And now we're looking at 10 and 0. So I'm not predicting wins, I'm just saying. There's a lot of value that if that were to transpire, he would look like a shoe-in in some circles. And I also think, you remember that season when Russell Westbrook was going for the triple-double and it was very clear that the other guys were allowing him to get every rebound possible? I think Minka Fitzpatrick should start doing something similar where he just steps out of bound on the two-yard line instead of taking it to the house, right? Just set his offense up to give, give Big Ben one more passing touchdown every two or three weeks. I feel like that could increase his odds of getting the, uh, getting the MVP. I was, uh, man, I was so certain about big Ben this year. It just felt good. And it's the thing that I like is about this, um, Steelers team right now. They don't feel lucky. I feel like they've underperformed like every game that I watch. I'm like, Oh, they won that game by double digits, but they didn't even play well. They have good kicking. They have good defense. Like, what are the Steelers? Do you have like any divisional odds or or conference odds? Because I I'm, I know I'm getting super hyped on the Steelers right now, but like they came out of the they came out of the that forced buy like it was no problem, and now they're they're on a roll again. Right. I mean, I, I got the uh, the Super Bowl odds here. So the Steelers, as I mentioned, they were plus twenty five hundred at the start of the year. That's actually gone down to plus eleven hundred. So they're just eleven to one to win the whole thing, um, which I assume means their AFC odds are probably around twenty to one. Win the Super Bowl. Uh, it is. Mm. It is the Chiefs. Any value, or is it kind of heavy? Uh, they're at plus four hundred, so they're actually identical to the odds that Patrick Mahomes have of winning the MVP. It goes Chiefs at 400, plus 400, uh, Ravens at plus 600, Seahawks at plus 750, and then the Packers, Steelers, and Bucks are all clumped around 11 mm. 1, 12 And then 1. who's right after that? The next tier down is Saints and Titans at 15 to 1. And then there's a big drop off to the Bills and Rams yeah, at 22 to 1. Yeah, I'd be living in that 11 to 1 stage. Those teams that you mentioned in mm -hmm. that cluster are the ones that have the most upside to me. It was Bucks, Steelers, and who? Packers. Think about who you're getting for that value. 
Think about who you're getting. You're getting Aaron Rodgers, Big Ben, or Tom Brady. And the one that I feel the right. shakiest about is Aaron Rodgers. Now, he has the weakest division. Uh, Tom Brady is going to have to battle that out with Drew Brees. Um, Big Ben is going to have to battle it with Lamar Jackson. But the thing that scares me about the Packers is that defense. I don't know if it's as good as we think it is. But the Steelers and Bucks arguably have the two best defenses in the NFL. And on the other side, you have Big Ben, and then you have Tom Brady with Bruce Arians and Byron Leftwich. And at, to me, I would love that as a Super Bowl. Steelers, Bucks with Big Ben versus Brady. Like that, that to me is juicy. A little Chase Claypool action. Uh, I, those, that's the cluster of teams that excites me the most for the value there. How about you? Yeah, uh, the Steelers, they're also plus 600 to win the AFC, which feels like much better value than the Chiefs or Ravens. The Chiefs are only plus 210 to win the whole thing, uh, to win the AFC, I mean, and the Ravens are plus 310 to win the AFC. So I, I, I don't even just see the value in that. One weird bounce, one weird coin flip, uh, one missed catch, and you don't win the AFC. I like the 6-1 to one or the Tennessee Titans at 750. Mm. What are, I don't even want to talk about the NFC East. I was going to say, what are the odds for the Eagles to win the NFC East? And I just, ugh, I can take a look. Just nasty. It's also crazy because I was looking at those, uh, the preseason odds for uh, each team and how many wins they were expected to get. And the Cowboys had an oh, over-under of 10, was, which just is, feels... was saying the Cowboys could take the one seed. I was fucking wrong on that. Right. So the Cowboys now are minus 105 to win the NFC East. The Eagles are plus 140. And then the Giants what? and Redskins are way off in left field. Giants are plus 850. You think there's a I shot? I think the Giants are very interesting because I think that no one is talking about their defense right now. And week in and week out, uh, James Bradbury is shutting down the number one wide receiver on the other team. And Leonard Williams in that front is destroying people. And uh, they're starting to get guys back. They're starting to get the Sterling Shepherds of the world back. They're starting to get Andrew Thomas back. It's the same reason that I'd be curious about what are the Niners' odds uh, to make the playoffs. And I wonder if you can get value right now because I'm, I'm looking at the Niners and I'm going – they're going to get Richard Sherman back in a few weeks. They're going to get those D linemen and they're going to like, I, and they're going to eventually get mostered. And I, I like to invest in, in rosters that people don't realize they're more banged up than they are. Uh, what were the Niners looking at? Well, uh, I just have the, the divisional odds in front of me right now. They're plus nine fifty to win the division. So they, it's just, they have so many teams to leapfrog. They currently have the worst odds in the division. Uh, Seahawks are have a stranglehold on that with minus two ten in terms of uh, Vegas perception. Rams at plus three ninety, getting almost four to one odds that the Rams take that division though. That, that feels like decent value. value. And I need to know because I have some questions about the Seahawks, and there's really no better person to talk to than Mina Kimes. So now it's time to cue up John Barshard because we're going on a deep dive. It's deep dive interview time. Tell us something we don't already know, won't you? And she has returned with the goodness. It is Mina Kimes, one of the four faces that you see on NFL Live, bringing the hot, hot takes and the real, real truth. And a friend of the show. How are you, Mina? I'm good. I'm better now. It's been a minute. I know. And honestly, uh, I take all of the blame because really... <laughs> 
I need to talk to your managers and we're going to have you on this show every day. But more importantly, <laughs> you are a fan of the 5-0 and o Seattle Seahawks. And I just want to do a temperature check. Okay. Are we like, this is exactly what we thought? Is this better than what we thought? Like, take me into Mina Kimes fan. Where are we right now with this team? Better. Better than I thought. I, going back to before the season, I would say. Um the defense is about what I thought it would be, yes. uh, but the offense is better largely because, as I'm sure you've discussed on this show and has been discussed uh, ad nauseum, well, I mean, let Russ cook is now a national saying. It went from yeah. Twitter to reality. Um, I did not expect the Seahawks coaching staff to unleash the passing game the way they have. So that's been a pleasant surprise as well as, you know, I mean, DK Metcalf was good last year, but he's taken, I think another step forward to being a true number one, which is another thing I didn't see coming as well. I I would say throw in another less sexy uh, factor. The offensive line has been better than I expected. So the offense, the Seahawks offense is a buzzsaw. I didn't see that coming. I thought they did good. The Mm. defense is not good. I did not think they would be good. Where does DK rank in Mina Kimes' all-time Seattle Seahawks wide receiver power rankings? Oh, a wide receiver. That Okay, that's specific. Just um, all-time Seattle Seahawks wide receiver. I'm sure you love Doug Baldwin. I'm sure you had some years with Jermaine Curse where you were arguing for him. But in Steve Largent, where is where yeah. is DK? And I, but I know that Tyler Lockett might be one, so I'm, I'm curious. Uh, well, Steve Largent is still the best wide receiver, and yeah, I think he's got a minute to go. But I would say he's cracked the top five. I mean, the excitement, uh, yeah, like I, I think w- what's been so exciting to watch is just see him grow as a route runner, refine his technique. Um, obviously, Wilson trusts him, but it's not just on – go routes, you know, you're, you're seeing him. I was thinking about that touchdown, uh, the game winner against Minnesota. Well, it feels like a long time ago, the shallow cross, uh, just the way his body control, his awareness of space has really been impressive. Mm. I'm, I'm excited for you because this is the Seattle Seahawks team that we all wanted. Like we have seen this with Russell, what he's capable of for years. And now it's just, it's joy. And I, to me, when there are good people, when I know like what Tyler Lockett and who he is and like DK Metcalf and that work ethic and like who Russell Wilson is, I, I get excited because one, if I, if we can get a Seattle, Kansas city Super Bowl, that would be the most enjoyable thing ever. But this is the rust that I've always wanted. And I, and I, it, it feels like it's due. And so I just kind of want to be in the present. <laughs> yeah. Sense. I mean, I, Look, he has not played at this level every year of his career, but he has always been an elite quarterback. And for Seahawks Mm. fans for a while, especially I would say last year stands out, uh, but some priors as well, it kind of felt like they had a Lamborghini and they were driving it like a Honda Civic. No offense to the Mm. Civic owners, a very excellent practical car. Uh, So like they're taking it for a spin now and it's a beautiful thing. Um, And it's in the weapons, you know, he's got, probably are arguably the best group of skill players of his career too. So it's just a ton of fun to watch. We're at that time of the year where teams start to separate and we start to establish who are the real and, and who has kind of been fagazi <laughs> through these first few weeks. And there's a bunch of interesting scenarios. Uh, fagazi. Is that it? I've never, Steelers. I know Fagazi, the band, I didn't know Fagazi was. 
Fugazi, I feel like is like a New Jersey Italian way of saying fake. <laughs> like you're a Fugazi. Okay. I yeah. hope that's like not offensive, but I'm, I like it. <laughs> uh, I think me too. It. I hope it's I not offensive. It. I think, I think I've, I've heard people say it. Um, <laughs> that's not a good credit source. Steelers Titans. Yes. Is a game where I feel like we're going to learn a lot. And I feel like we're going to learn about the true impact of losing Taylor Lewan. But I also think we're going to learn about the true impact of losing Dion Bush. And I think that's two huge losses in two units that were, were being great. What do you think, what do you expect is going to happen? But what do you want to learn from this game? Um, I think you hit the nail on the head. So from the Titans perspective, they've had the most uh, efficient offensive football, right? On a per play basis. I mean, they're passing it to everything. They're so balanced. They're incredible. Obviously Derek Henry has deservedly gotten a lot of love, but Ryan Tannehill is playing out of his mind right now. Like he should be in the MVP conversation. I think he's behind he's Wilson. Top 10 in terms of Vegas right now. Yeah. He's playing, playing super good football, uh, the receivers as well, but the offensive line has struggled at times this season um, in both path, pass pro and run blocking, actually. So I think losing the line, is, that's something I'd keep an eye on in this game in particular. And then on the other side of the football, the Titans defense has not been playing really well. Um, I don't really love this team, but and I think sometimes people think of them as like having a better defense and offense, but the reverse is true. They really haven't get, gotten a pass rush outside of Jeffrey Simmons and Ben Roethlisberger has been getting the ball out super quickly. So I think those Titans linebackers who have been kind of up and down this year. I, I love Jayon Brown, uh, Sean Evans, but they've had, I think they're playing worse this year so far than they did last year. So this is going to be a really challenging game for them. Uh, and then for the Steelers, you mentioned Devin Bush being out, but you know, we, that defense has been terrifying, but if you can beat the pass rush, whether it's getting the ball quickly or whatnot, in coverage, they've had lapses. So I think this is going to be a real challenge for them, that Titans passing attack, especially with Bush gone because they're sort of softer in the middle. I keep calling him Dion Bush. I keep calling That's him the former safety of the Bears, and I do that every time. It's the second time I've done it this week. Well, so. the, the Devin Bush, very- Devin White thing was also really confusing because they were drafted at the same mm. time, so I mixed them up. A lot. Uh, right. Devin White's balling this year, by the way. Uh, but, I confuse yeah. DK Metcalf and J.K. Simmons all the time. It's a, it's the, the K actor the J.K. Simmons. Another. I love Whiplash. Top five movie all time. So good. <laughs> Another game your team is in that I think we're going to learn a lot is Seattle Arizona. Yeah, and good one. I feel like we're going to learn more on the Kyler side because he has an opportunity against the Seattle defense to throw the ball. And even in that game against the Cowboys, yes, he had a deep pass um, to Christian Kirk. Thank you. Um, but we didn't really see a lot of consistent passing attack no. and you guys get no pass run. Um, I, I feel like Russ is going to have his way with this Cardinals defense, which has not faced a lot of top, tough opposition and they've lost their best pass rusher for the year Chandler Jones what can we learn about Kyler uh in this game oh I think you nailed it 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 is the passing it's really the intermediate passing has been the question mark I think with him both last year and this year obviously the addition of DeAndre Hopkins has helped but in prior games to the Dallas game I kind of think you got to throw out the Dallas game to be honest um on both sides of the football like they made the Cardinals defense looked like the 85 Bears 
they've got some nice pieces, but they have not been that good. And then the Cardinals offense, like anytime you win a game and score 38 points and your quarterback completes like less than 10 passes, something weird is happening. Um, so I'd be curious to see if outside of Hopkins, cause you, you're going to see defenses do everything they can to take away Deandre. Is he able to consistently hit Fitzgerald, Isabella Kirk? Um, and I think, you know, this is the first game. I, Jamal Adams should be back from injury, but you know, Jamal Adams has been and more of a pass Snacks pressure. Harrison is Snacks Harrison's on the D yeah. line now too. Are you yeah. excited about Snacks and Jamal? The photos I've seen of Snacks Harrison from practice, he's the biggest man I've ever seen in my life. It's amazing. I think there's a video of him circulating of him stretching where he he's just not even trying to touch his toes. He's just not about that life. Like that man, that is not something that his body is built to do. Um, but I think it, he'll be helpful. Uh, you're right about the pass rush, obviously. I'll be curious to see in this game if they blitz – um, if they continue to blitz like they did with Adams, because Kyler has been very good at the blitz against the blitz, both as a passer. And then of course he's a threat to take off at any point. So, you know, this is a tricky one for the Seahawks defense, but I don't anticipate the Seahawks offense having many difficulties. I'm all, I'm curious because I've been so impressed with Jerron Reed. If snacks allows Jerron to be more one gap, go after the quarterback because the Seahawks and the chargers for me, the last few years, I love their top end roster, but I would always go. They don't have a bit enough big guys on defense when it comes right. to the playoffs. And so for the Chargers to get Linval Joseph and for now you guys to get yeah. snacks, it's like they both went, let me just get the biggest human I can and throw <laughs> him in the middle, which I, I is a strategy I support. Yeah. And that was the untold story of the 2012, 13, 14 Seahawks is they had a ton of depth on the defensive line. Everybody talked about the Legion of Boom, but really, and Wilson's talked about this Bobby Wagner talks about all the time. They were able to rotate guys in and out on that line. In addition, of course, Averill and Bennett. Um, there were a lot of guys whose names you just don't hear a lot, but were actually really helpful uh, to that defense. Um, Sunday night football is a game where I feel like we're going to learn a lot. I'm going to talk yeah. less in the beginning uh, and actually interview. Um, Buccaneers Raiders, a Bucks team that was super hot and a Raiders team that went into the bye super hot. Uh, the old Gruden Bowl. What do, you, what do you hope to maybe learn from this game? So to me, the interesting matchup here is the Raiders offense versus the Bucks defense, because I don't, I know that the Raiders defense put up a valiant effort against Kansas city, but it's not a good defense. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think the Bucks offense is good, but the Bucks defense is what sets them apart in the NFL right now, where there's like three, four, that was four fingers. Good defenses. Yeah. Who are, you, who are um, your four? Steelers. Even though I, I know I alluded to some coverage issues, the Bucks and the Bears. Those yeah. are the good defenses, right? I mean, am I leaving yeah, like, anyone like, out? Yeah, like other, other Niners, defenses, I guess, like the Colts have moments. Colts, Niners have moments. Yeah, the Niners and the Colts would be in the mix too. So anyways, the Raiders offense, what I was much more intrigued by against Kansas City wasn't the defense, but uh, Derek Carr uh, uncorking it, right? And uh, using that combination of Henry Ruggs and Darren Waller, not dissimilarly to how Kansas City used Kelsey and Hill. So the question with Carr has always been, will, not can he, but will he throw it downfield? Because we know he can. He just has refused to at times. And in this game, you saw the benefit of that. So I'll be curious in this game against a very good defense if they play as aggressive, if Carr in particular plays as aggressively because if he does, I actually think the Raiders can have a top tier offense. 
I'm just imagining now, because it's fun to think about results of football games beforehand and think about how we're all going to react to it. And so if I think about Gruden using that extra week and going, everybody's talking up Todd Bowles right now, what he just did to Aaron Rodgers, and you know that Gruden is motivated against his former team, that if Carr and Gruden were to somehow able to put up a lot of points, how nuts the national media would go about the Raiders because there's something about the week after Aaron Rodgers falters and has one of the worst games he's ever had that Derek Carr does that right after Derek Carr just said, I want my respect. Like he's LeBron James. What would happen would be wild. The, the Raiders, I feel like that fan base is waiting to explode and that would be, I feel like the powder keg for it to go. I think the NFL is more fun with the Raiders being good. Like that is a team I would very much enjoy being a legitimate contender. Um, and, you know, like going into the season, Adam, like the AFC West, we we're like, all right, well, the Chiefs are going to win it. But all three of those teams, it was one of those divisions where I had trouble ordering them uh, between the Broncos, the Raiders and the Chargers, because you could see weaknesses and strengths on each roster. But all three, like you could see being wildcard teams. And right now it does look like the Raiders have the potential to emerge sort of from the pack. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful. I think the Bucks, I think the Bucks to win this game. Uh, I think the Bucks are one of the like five best teams in the NFL right now. Uh, and they're only getting better, but this could be a good matchup. I that's, if there was one of those Amazon prime inside the locker room things for me, it's, Tom Brady and Bruce Arians, because I just, yeah. you know, like I, I want to know how real those conversations are. I want to know like what next level of offense or cause Brady looks like he's having fun. And, and I feel like there's innovation happening there and we, ha we haven't even seen it yet. I don't feel like totally. they've really brought out the big guns yet. Yeah. You, I, I think you're still seeing that merging of styles, they're still trying to figure each other out. Some weeks it feels like a little bit more of an Arians game plan. Some weeks it feels like a little bit more of a Brady game plan. Um, you know, your own Chris Godwin just came back. So just came back. I think that they're going to start figuring out how to like Brady to me, he was a receiver. I was like, Oh, that's Brady's guy. Like he's going to use him similarly to how he used Julian Edelman at times, like he's going to be at this weapon. And then he didn't play the first few weeks of the season because he was hurt. So we didn't really get to see that. Um, I, there still needs to be Brady loves throwing the running backs and that hasn't emerged as an element of the game. I think yeah. Ronald Jones has been very good running the, the football, but I, I, that's something I'd be curious to see how it evolves as well, but it's a good offensive line, man. Like, and that's the key it is. to the Brady. Like that's really, to me I, this week on my podcast, Featuring Lenny. I went through all the top hey. teams and tried to pick a weakness or a potential Achilles Hill. And for Tampa Bay, to me, it's if you can get pressure on Brady. Because if you pressure him, he this is the his weakness. It's not his arm as he ages, it's that he is, struggles greatly against pressure. Mm -hmm. So that offensive line is going to be tremendously important down the stretch for this team. Let's do another plug. Monday night football on ESPN. Five and one Chicago Bears, four and two LA Rams. I have no idea how good either team is. I don't. <laughs> I think they 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 both prove me wrong every week, but I don't know how how good they are, and I would not put them in the top. Five. I would not put either in a real Super Bowl contender role. I think that's fair. I mean, I think they're both outside the top five, but then they're in the top ten. 
sort of, so it's kind of, you know what I mean? Like they're in that weird, like, ah, I mean, here's what I know. I think (laughs) I know the bears defense is good. Like I said, I've watched a lot of bears football, you know, really tried to focus. Okay. This seems five and one. Why are they five and one? It, the defense is good. This is a legitimately good defense. D-line pops, Jalen Johnson flashes a lot. Roquan Smith is doing what we kind of hoped he would do. And respect to Chuck Pagano for like, everyone was like, Vic Fangio's leaving, this defense is screwed. Oh, they're super well coached. great. Yeah, when I watch them, they don't make like, they don't have coverage, but I mean, I love Jalen Johnson. He gets picked on sometimes because he's a rookie and the rest of the DBs are good, but he is a good player. He's a smart player. Akeem Hicks coming back was so huge for unlocking Khalil Mack again. No, I I love that defense. Offense, who the hell knows week to week? I mean, it's not one of the better offenses in the NFL, obviously. Um, The prayer for the Super Bowl is just that you get the Nick Foles, you know, streak, as you know. Somebody said this to me, and it, it, you know, when someone makes a prediction and you're like, this is going to (laughs) happen. If the Eagles win the NFC East, Oh and they somehow get a seed and Chicago gets a wild card and it's Nick Foles versus Carson Wentz in Philadelphia, the city will explode. Absolutely explode. And now I can't unsee it. I like both of those quarterbacks. I honestly, I don't have a, I don't have a horse in this race. I don't care. But I would root for the Eagles solely for Carson Wentz's mental health. Like, I don't think he can lose to Nick Foles. I don't think, like, I think that would just Is it weird that Carson Wentz on a winning team in years past, I feel like, I feel like Carson Wentz is getting more respect on a one, four and one (laughs) team this year with what he's doing. Yeah. Well, I, I, so after the Cowboys got blown out on Monday, on Tuesday, I found myself praising the Eagles on our show, NFL Live and Wentz. Who, who had a good, who played, you know, is getting better, by the way, after a disastrous start. But because I said, at least they're sucking with dignity. Like you watch them and you're like, you know what? Good job, guys. Like you have, you, you, you're at least trying. And they're, yes. and they're as banged up as Dallas, if not more. And yeah. there's this, they, to me, like credit to Peterson, like they at least look like, you know, they do some things schematically that I don't love on both sides of football, but like they're a disciplined team that's putting in an effort to win the game. So I I think the Eagles are going to win the division for sure. Like I, yeah, I know. Mm -hmm. I know. I don't know if I want it or not, but I also, I don't like being fans that root for draft pick seating. It's never exciting. Well, also if I I was a team like, you know, Washington, I would absolutely not want it because you want to be in the Fields Lawrence mix, but you guys aren't going to draft a quarterback again. So, uh, yeah, all right, yeah. But I, I think the Eagles are in a different. Place. I did get excited watching Jalen Hurts, dude. Yeah, I'd like to see more. Let's talk about that. Yeah, because Jalen Hurts. What what's so funny about young players in the NFL is none of us are making predictions that are everlasting, but we are looking for moments of greatness to build up. And so when Jalen Hurts catches a ball and can deke two Ravens defenders, and even though he's being tackled for two yards, name another quarterback other than Kyler or Russ or Lamar, or like he, he looked more agile than Pat. And, and I don't know what the ceiling is, but you see those moments where you're like, not a lot of guys could do that. And I, I do, I want to see a lot more of Jalen Hurts. I think, you know, because of the state of things in Philadelphia, like, 
throw it all against the wall, man. Like do whatever it takes. I mean, I know you have the best young receiver in the history of football, Travis Fulgham, but outside who's from uh, my hometown, not where I went to high school, but when I, where I went to elementary school, Ashburn, Virginia, I just looked that up. Yeah. Me and Travis. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm with you. Like, go crazy. I don't need you to pander to me. We know that Travis Fulgham's really good. He's <laughs> that's something I'd like to learn this weekend. Is how good is Travis is Fulgham? Sustainable? I don't know. Remind me who the what Eagles are think? playing. Oh wait, they're playing. Oh, well, this is probably going to come out after because the game's tonight, right? Yeah, it's going to come. Yeah, they're playing the Giants. But yeah. well, I mean, James Bradbury is playing really well. Amazing. Like Brad, like. Bradbury is like so good. It's like one of the Gettleman correct decisions was paying that amount of money for James Bradbury. But yeah, that was one that got about Fulgham on Thursday night. It was, Uh, yeah, because it was like Josh Norman. Look at all these other zone corners. They don't turn. I interrupted you earlier. Where do you stand uh, on your favorite team in the NFC West, the LA Rams? Are they for real? Um, sorry. No, no, it's fine. The trader thing is fine. I tweeted a picture of Kyler Murray wearing a Korea sweatshirt saying it was cool. And uh, CX fans were like, how many teams are you going to betray us for? Like the Rams, the Cardinals, what's next? Um, I'm sorry. I, Kyler Murray in a Korea sweatshirt is like everything to me. Yeah. But maybe somebody should send a Korea sweatshirt to Russell Wilson. I know. If they really want to impress me and hold on. Or they yeah. should draft a Korean player. Um, Let's do it. So. I think the Rams have a high floor. I don't think that like, they're not one of these teams that they're like, I think they're a solid team. The question is, are they a great team? Like, can they be a true contender? I think the jury is still out. Obviously, as many people have said, they beat the NFC East. (laughs) Uh, So, you know, they are the NFC East champions, but you know, they, 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 like when you watch the offense, um, it's the classic when things are clicking in on schedule, Jared Goff is executing the offense to perfection. Um, but is that sustainable when he's forced to be a dropback passer? Can he keep it up? Can he make aggressive throws? There have been times he has like actually the game lost against Buffalo. I was really impressed by him. Uh, you know, and it wasn't like him quote unquote, executing McVay's offense. Like he was, making tight window throws, making plays with his feet, like, you know, improvising, going to his third read or whatever. So I, I think that that offense is going to be somewhat inconsistent based on the defense that they're playing and Goff overall under pressure. Um, But I think that like they have the potential to beat any team. I think I saw that, Jared Goff against the Bears is like zero touchdowns, five interceptions in his career. Because if you think about all those Rams yeah. games where like the, the 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 way that you beat Goff is you have a very dominant D-line that takes away the running game and yeah. then you sit back and you make him beat you. And that's what the Bears have. The 2018 Bears game was when the quote-unquote blueprint against the Rams was established exactly. that Bill Belichick then used in the Super Bowl changed up a bit. So yeah, it, I are the Rams favored in this one? I'll let you know. Three, two. The Rams are favored by six. Oh, smash that. Yeah. That's where I was going to wrap it up. This is a, technically a betting show. 
Have you officially ever bet on an NFL game? No, but every weekend I give Dan Levitard texts me and asks me for three picks against the spread. He has so over not the last totals, not over under spreads against the spread, three picks. And my record right now is 12, two and one. 12, two and one. Yeah. And you've never felt motivated to, to go and put money on this. No, I just, um, I just want to be recognized for my success so far. Like that's pretty good, right? Against the spread. Pretty good. Do you know that in the gambling community, if you're hitting 60%, you're a fucking God? It's true. Um, 12, 2, and 1, Mina. Hold on a second. Have you already told him or do you not know the games yet? This week? I haven't. No. I, yeah, yeah. He texts me every Sunday morning. Here, I can even tell you who I picked last week. I can Let's get my... Hear that and then I'm going to propose. Oh, my God. Hold on. Okay, Mike Ryan. Okay, last week, yeah, I'm 12, 2, and 1. Last week, I did... <laughs> Let's see. Pittsburgh. I liked Pittsburgh. We were on the same boat there. That was against Cleveland, so, yeah. Okay, last week, I had the Giants, Steelers, and Chiefs. The Giants really screwed me by letting Kyle Allen, but but then that was actually the one because I got it was at negative one, so they they tied it. Um, oh wow! Yeah. Okay, so. you just said before we got into the fact that you've never bet on a game, you heard the line of the Rams Bears game and said, "Smash that!" Don't know if this is going to be the one of the three that you said in the Levitard, but I, I even though I love, I agree with you. <laughs> I would like to bet you $20 and I will take the Rams minus six okay. simply so that I can be your first NFL bet. Stri I'm, I'm, I'm giving you the six. Okay. Do you want to do this for $20? Yeah. $20. Yeah. Virtually shake on it. <laughs> what you guys have just witnessed was Mina Kimes first ever wow. NFL bet and she is going and Seahawks fans are going to love this. She's going against the Rams, and she's betting on Nick Foles and Matt Nagy, plus six. I'm betting on the Bears. I would, I, yeah. <laughs> I would take your side too, but just to be on the other side, I'm going. No, no, okay. I look forward to this. Wow. God, that was historic. <laughs> I felt that. Mina, uh, keep kicking ass. Uh, people can see Mina Kimes' show with Lenny, NFL Live throughout the week. Where else, Amina, at Mina Kimes, anywhere else that you'd like to get out there? Oh, uh, yeah, well, they highly questionable. So, oh, take that yeah. out or around the horn. Can I ask you just a, a career question? <laughs> to, man, when, I, when we first talked back in the day, it was like you just wanted to talk ball. You just wanted to talk football. And so much times you would go in it, and because you're such a good journalist, it would be like stories or features and all this stuff. To now be in a spot where every day you're asked legit football questions and you're breaking it down. Is it what you hoped it would be? I know, I know you would love to be in studio because it's just a different experience. Yeah, but like sure. every day, people just ask you football questions. And how was that? It's amazing and fun. The, the way I describe it to people is I'm on NFL Live Monday, Tuesday, Friday. 
The days I'm not there, it's Keyshawn Johnson. I just want to build a time machine, go back and tell young Mina, you are going to be the in the same position as Keyshawn Johnson. <laughs> Um, I love it because uh, before this, you know, I was more of a generalist on the other shows I do. We talk about a lot of sports. So it's really nice to be able to focus on football during the week. And, you know, because I'm so uh, my job is to watch as every game, if possible, you know, like on the off days uh, that it's just a delight to have that time, frankly. Do you I mean, is football on your house all the time? And at this point, like, there's no arguments. It's like, listen, this now it's really my job. Now I have to watch it. It is though. Like those that Tuesday killed me, man. Like I, oh, I'm not here. Like it threw my whole was, brain off. I, yes, right. When there was no Thursday, it was like my circadian rhythm was off. I was yeah. like, it's so it's Friday now, right? And I was like, no, it's Thursday. I was like, but there's no football. Man, she is one of the most knowledgeable minds in covering the sport of football right now. Uh, and she looks at it from a fresh perspective that isn't stale uh, and it has good insight. And she just made her first bet. And sh- let's see if she wins. I did a peace we'll sign see. and I meant to do fingers crossed. <laughs> you got you to cross them. So Mina, Asian. you're the best. I appreciate you. Hear ye, hear ye. These are the three crack commandments with Bill Krakenberger. Crack daddy, he's the crack daddy, and he's in a cool room with footballs and baseball bats. It's crack. Crackwin's app available on any cell phone that you may own. Crack. Happy week seven, bro. Hope you're great. I am. Good Good things happening. And, uh, uh, yeah, I, I just uh, – unbelievably, though, I just found out something about this morning about Las Vegas, about this Allegiant Stadium we have here. I never knew. I thought this was only in uh, Philadelphia. We have our own courthouse and jail underneath the stadium. I didn't know that. Wow. Uh, hopefully one, we don't need it. But- one, most stadiums have it now. Oh, wow. Little known fact. Yep. Uh, Two, unnecessary way to enter a podcast with somebody from Philadelphia. Now I'm kind of salty. Oh, So how's your bankroll, shithead? No, Uh I'm just kidding. I'm only kidding. No, I'm sorry. uh, No, 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 no. I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. No, but it's it's a thing. It's because, look, it, it was seen as a thing early on where it's like, wow, they need that. And then it was, no, this is this weird area where these crimes kind of happen or these fights and what are you going to take them to jail no it's it's more of like a detaining center than anything for drunk people wow okay cool cool listen no 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 yeah. no no insult the philly guy listen i love the philly fans i mean they are so dedicated to uh they, they opened up last week first week and they allow fans back and they're in there grappling and uh they're they're just they're so oh, i hated tough. that they're so tough um all right so crack where are we now? Where, where is the temperature of the Sharps in Vegas right now? Is it settling? Is it still going one way more than the other? What, what is the buzz? You know, buzz. I, 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 it's, a, it's fantastic you asked this. I was going to talk about this, so you brought it in. Let, let's do it. You know, I said it on your show. I said it on your show multiple times. What's happening is the bookmakers were getting kicked in the gut and on these overs. And how many primetime games in a row went over? Five, six, it was crazy. 
Well, <laughs> now I can say the opposite. How many prime time games have went under? Because exactly what I thought. Are we in a streak right now? Has it been happening a bunch? Yeah, we were gonna we we're gonna revert to the mean here. Of course, there's artificially inflated totals now. Listen, the sharp guys and the squares were both beating up the bookmakers the first three four weeks. Uh, we had sessions where literally went unbeaten, winning five six games on totals, and they were just flying over the total in the 60s. Uh, when the line was 48, they were scoring 60. 52, they were scoring 68. <laughs> I mean, it's just uh, in insane. So now you'll see a little bit of a revert to the mean, like I just said. And I noticed last week alone, lots of lots of unders coming in. I think it was – I don't really know the record. I think it was 10-4 and four to the unders. Mm. Um, there's a lot of unders that have been coming in. So um, know that the bookmakers, uh, they're still a little bit artificially inflated because the public loves betting over but maybe not to the point that it was before. So I'm seeing all syndicate money. And when I say syndicate, I mean <laughs> sharp sports betting syndicate groups now betting the unders rather than betting the overs. But yet tonight's game, uh, I, I yep. did see a little bit of an, some, a little bit over movement. So um, I was going to say the standalone games this week, what you would consider the true prime times, because the four o'clocks can sometimes get regional. That's right. It's also a case of shitty offenses taking on really great defenses. So you look at the Thursday game, the Eagles and Giants defenses have been doing great, but also Daniel Jones and the Giants offense has been awful. And Carson Wentz is seemingly having to do it by himself. Sunday night, you have the Bucks, arguably the best defense in the NFL. I'd say right now it's them, Steelers, and Bears, but the Bucks seem to have been the best impact. And that total is 52, which may be high for a, a, game, a team like that. And then Monday night, the line being 45, and there you have the Bears so, and the Rams. So I, it's, uh, it's funny. I was expecting to look up after you said that and see some 55s and some 57s, but I think the teams themselves, maybe it's a little bit lower than I was expecting. Yeah, you know, uh, I will get. I actually, I actually have a couple of those to talk about. Uh, the sharper sides, the one, one would be in the Green Bay Packers again. Let me tell you something. Last Sunday, a lot of the, most of the public doesn't even know this. So I'm sitting in front of a live odds screen right at game time, right up until before the game. I woke up very early in the morning. Woke up around six thirty in the morning. Proud of you, bro. That game was a one-point spread, Green Bay. It was minus one, eh, one and a half. Day before that, you could still get, you know, literally pick minus 15. Well, at game time, the last 30 to 40 minutes, especially the last 15, giant money on the Packers, closed minus three, minus three, minus 15 at some shops. Mm. I mean, all Packer money, and as you could see, way wrong. Um, Tampa Bay really, I'm not going to say they dominated or destroyed them. Listen, Green Bay was up. 10 nothing, I think, in the beginning. and It was 10 nothing, and then it was two kind of fluky. One interception was definitely a pick six that like was warranted, but the other one was like a deflected interception that was kind of all over the place. And then it was as if all the momentum left when Aaron Rodgers did the third pump and completely flipped team. Changed the whole momentum. You said the right word. The whole momentum of the game. And, yes, let's put this out there. Momentum is something that's very big. In, in life in general, but especially in the NFL. It changed the whole momentum of the game around. It seems like football in general, college and pro, both. And that's exactly what happened in that game. If those – I know it's, this is going to sound so crazy because of the final score. I know if um, if those interceptions didn't happen, it's 10 nothing. Rodgers is cruising. It changes the whole game, I'm telling you. There may have been a different outcome in that game. So, kind of yes. – How do you approach – 
betting on teams coming off of a buy? Do you look at a coach's history after a buy? Do you avoid them completely? Uh, I think that most people think that after a buy, these guys will be refreshed, but typically it's very unpredictable. Detroit Lions come off a bye and put together one of the best games of the season. Green Bay Packers come off of a bye and, as you just said, get shellacked by the Bucks. So how do you approach gambling on teams after a bye? Another great question, Adam. This is really good because people think automatically, oh, man, they're off a bye. They're two weeks. They're, they're all healed up. They're Extra ready. time to prepare. Yes, yeah. extra time to prepare. Absolutely right. Well, I'm here to tell you that that's not the truth because uh, – it's reflected in the line already. So if a team is on a buy, not only you at home know about that, but the bookmakers and originating line makers know that too. So you're, you're going to pay a little bit, not much, but you're going to pay a little bit of a premium to bet on that team that has that buy. So good question. So you're saying the buy is almost baked into the line. And would you say it's a half a point, a point? What do you think that, what do you think that garners? More towards a half a point, and it is baked in the line. And the key is, it sounds like nothing, a half a point. That's nothing. It's no big deal. Well, if it's on the three or the seven, I'll tell you one thing. It's a giant deal. So it's to me, there's that half a point when you get hit by the hook, there is no bigger half a point than you'll experience in your life. I think you have to feel it one time to understand the difference between betting two and a half and three or three and three and a half. Yes, that's why I, I try to find. Listen, I don't bet a lot of NFL sides, but when I do, I'll always make sure I'm buying on to that key number, not off of it, by the way, uh, sometimes, but. Onto it. I want to get a push. I don't want to get a loss. Mm. And I don't want to have that kind of a night, like you said, where you think, oh, God, half a point. Um, I Because the NFL has so, so many fewer data points than other leagues, we have a tendency to overreact on a week-to-week -week basis. And where I always want to take advantage is where I believe there's an overreaction one way or the other, sense where the public is going, and then go the opposite way. And I'm, I'm looking at the, the, the spreads this week, and I'm seeing a lot of interesting bounce-back candidates. So if you want, I kind of like to do some crack tank, which is shark tank with crack. I'm going to pitch you one, and you tell me if I'm crazy. Okay. Deal? If this is the one I'm thinking, oh, my God, go ahead. Okay. You just talked about the Packers, and now they're up against the Texans minus three and a half. And uh, uh, um, I'm looking at that spread. I know what the Texans' defense is. I expect a lot of points to be scored. Uh, and I'm curious, do you think this is an interesting bounce-back opportunity for the Pack? Interesting game. Interesting game. Like I said, Green Bay minus like three. Uh, and a little bit of juice maybe on it, three and a half. Uh, so anyway, um, let's, let's, a sharp group that I actually respect actually bet Green Bay. I didn't, minus three. Um, listen, they looked mortal last week finally after cruising on – points all the time uh, against Tampa Bay. So Texans are sitting, I think they're one in five. I think they're, they weren't supposed to be one in five, but they're, they're better than one in five teams. No, they were supposed to, if you listen to the left go show where oh. I predicted an absolute Under utter collapse of the Texans. Wow. Oh, good job. I just didn't want to lock up money into season long bets in a season that I didn't know if it was going to happen with COVID. Very smart. Very smart. Uh, yeah, very smart. So but anyway, I'll pat myself on the back often. Yeah, yeah no, that locker room can't. Okay, I got it. I got it. Up. So wait, what yeah. do you think, though? So sharp bet is already bet on the Packers. If I'm going to bet that game, I'll probably bet down the hook. Yeah, I'll probably tease it. Yep. Um, another bounce back that this one to me, I think is going to go in my top three bets. There was no team more embarrassed in an isolation game 
than the Dallas Cowboys. And now they are taking on Washington. And I'm going to be honest, I am shocked that I am looking at it as a pick And now it has moved to minus one Washington. An offense run by Alex Smith that looks completely useless up against the Dallas team that, I mean, I know they looked bad, but I, I, I don't, to me, Dallas plus one is beautiful. You know, uh, this game was hit earlier in the week because actually it was Washington was either plus one and a half or two. And a oh. lot of the sharp guys, um, one of the groups I've seen hit, hit, hit Washington, made them turn around. And now they're the favorite in the game. It was plus two. Yeah. So this, there is a, listen, there's a lot of, a lot of, a lot of things going on in that locker room over there in Dallas too. You see mm. the stories that came out, the comments that people are making to the press and in the organization, very, very, um, uh, poor. It's good. It's bad for morale. It's bad for everything, you know? Um, sure. This is- but do you ever get that sense sometimes as a better where like everything seems to be going one way and then you can just see the other side and you're like, yeah, but like if Dallas just puts a few big plays together, like I don't think Alex Smith, like I, I don't know if he can put together any points even against this Dallas team that I always tell everyone to bet the over. I don't know. Yeah, you're talking about the comeback player of the year. You know, you don't you don't know what's going to be happening here. Uh, interesting game. I may stay away from this game altogether, but I'll tell yeah. you one. You said it right. When the points move so much on a game, and this this points have moved three points. Uh, the only side of that game that can be right is against the move, and I think that's what you were getting at. And I, I'm going to agree with you. Yeah. Yes. So this is listen. I, I, I'm. I thought also. I think I may have came on. I thought Dalton, veteran quarterback, hundred and some starts. I thought he was going to do something here and step up. Yeah. I went by the look ahead line, which was a six point move to the actual game mm. line early in the week last week, and I was like, "Has the total moved at this week?" Yeah, for Dallas, Washington. I have all, all? lines here. So yeah, I'll check for you real quick. Um, the only reason I ask is I'm seeing 46 right now, and yep, I'm thinking moved. about how bad. Yep, what was it, it at? It moved. It opened up 47 and a half at, at the sharpest sports book, one of the originating sports books. It's now 46 under minus a dollar 15 at this particular same book. So yes, good, good. Uh, it, it did move mainly. Mainly, I'm just going. Both offensive lines stink. Both quarterbacks are like thrown into this situation. And for me, this looks as one of your beautiful NFC East 1916 games uh, where it's like desperation time. Uh, because also, I, it, it'll be interesting. Uh, question for you, because this happens every year. There's a team that really sucks. And then every year, the lines get really, really big. And then every year, people go, is that too many points? Jets plus 12 and a half against the Bills coming off of an embarrassing loss, wanting to take it all out on the team that they shellacked in week one. Was that the other bounce back yes. team that you were thinking yes. about? Oh, okay. yes, it was. Uh, the Jets may be playing for a number one draft choice here. I don't know what's going on over there. Uh, this- and they just traded their nose tackle, Steve McClendon. Uh, and I, I'm sitting there going, wait, you gave away one of your run stoppers? I didn't even know you had any run stoppers on And, and something that's not talked about a lot, I think we talked about it, I think we touched on it last week. Oh, my God. Nose tackles, snappers, all these guys on the line, linemen. These guys are the heart and soul, the core of which makes a team successful. So fantastic point. And, um, yeah, good. Yeah, but what do you think about the Bills, though? You think this is a, a sweet bounce back? Oh, well, I, I'll just tell you now. 
This game opened up, I see it open up around 12 and a half, went to 13 and a half. It's settling around the square of books here, which is great to be in Vegas. You have so many books that keep the extra half points on dogs. They're around 13. Most of the books are 13 here. So, um, listen, uh, the, the Shark guys bet laying the double-digit points, but this is the NFL. And even though we're talking all these bad things, everyone hears, oh, the Jets are terrible. I can never bet them. And Buffalo is one of the best teams in football. Uh, let me tell you, anything can happen. The Jets can beat them outright. It's crazy. I know it is. Are you telling me that you have put in a wager on Joe Flacco and the Jets plus 13 against the Bills? Be honest with me. No. No, not at all. Oh. Not, not at all. But okay, I'll tell you one thing. Because I was going to I was gonna kick you out right here. <laughs> uh, no, not at all. Uh, but if it got to 14, I may want to throw a little – they dangle a carrot at 14 maybe. But I know I – just, I just don't find any joy – in betting on the shittiest team in the NFL and hoping they don't lose by a certain amount. It's not fun for me. I like Because what happens is you turn on the game and you watch Joe Flacco bust his ass running into LaMichael P. Ryan, and you're like, that's the team that I bet on today. I, it's just not – I don't enjoy any part of that. Yeah, no, I, I think they're going to be – I don't know if they're playing Kansas City. Uh, someone told me there was a, a look-ahead line. I didn't look. Yes, Are they yes, 20, 21. 21, 21-and-a-half point underdog. Wow. That should be – that's one of the highest lines ever in the NFL. Though I think there was a 24, but, um, yeah, so this is going to be – My Eagles had a 21-and-a-half uh, back when Brian Dawkins was playing in David Carr's first year of the Houston Texans. Wow. And I remember they, they covered with a fake punt. They're up like 20, and they called a fake punt, and Brian Dawkins caught a pass and ran it in for a – I was the biggest Brian Dawkins stand ever. Let's wrap it up with this. Is there a crack bet – that you uh, feel the most confident about. And again, if you like Crack, which you should because he's the fucking man, Crack wins app, download it. He gives his insight and his picks. Uh, but is there any that you're leaning to right now that you're that you're excited about? Thanks. Good. Yeah, we have some good articles up there too, uh, strategy sessions and stuff and bankroll management. Uh, yeah. Let's get to – well, you know what? I didn't even send this out to my customers yet, to my guys yet at Crack wins. Uh, but – I'm leaning to this. I, you know, I have to be honest with you, man. The COVID and these COVID injuries last minute, and these, it, 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 it's, it's. I'm betting a lot of games closer to game time, which I never did before. I will take some leans on some totals early in the week, but going going to a teaser, uh, looking at San Fran through key, uh, going through the key numbers of which I always do of three and seven, bring them up to eight and a half, and the, the Chargers down to half a point. So uh, the Chargers just have to win the game. That's what I'm looking at right now. A little early, we'll see. See what happens with the crack wind, guys. You know what I love about that? You're you're minimizing the risk in a Chargers-Jags game where the Jags are clearly one of the worst teams in football, and you're making it a field goal possibility. And in Niners-Patriots, the statistic, the statistic that I'd like to remind everybody is I do not believe that Kyle Shanahan's offense, no matter who was the quarterback, has ever scored less than 30 points when facing Bill Belichick. Wow. And there's not a lot of people that can say that. Wow. I remember that because I he put he was averaging 34 points per game before the Falcons Patriots Super Bowl. He clearly went over in that game. And I, I'm not sure how many other times the Niners have faced New England, but he does it every time. There's a lot of injuries, but I feel like both of those teams are banged up. And I, I think it's going to be if there was an over-under for trick plays, that I believe will be the most entertaining game of the weekend. Edelman and White and Debo and Ayuk, it is going to be wild play city. Excited for it. Always great having you. Uh, Bill Krakenberger, the Crack Daddy. Check out the Crack Wins app. Crack, 
Always great having you. Thank you, my friend. Another great episode. Special shout out to Mina Kimes. Always awesome. Special shout out to Crack, Crack Wins app. It is time to do our bets. How did we do last week, Ingmar? Uh, You went two and one. That was nice. Uh, Your lock of Pittsburgh minus three over the Browns covered within the first four plays of the game. Um, Then you loved uh, Crack's uh, over 51 and a half for the Rams 49ers. That was one of those strange golf couldn't get in in the red zone and a lot of points got off the board. So that was the Niners, similar to what I did on my third bet. Right. Uh, The Cowboys Cardinals, you did not bet the game over, which would have been a loss, but you bet the Cardinals team over. You thought the Cardinals were going to put up points, and sure enough, they did. So that pulls you to 500 on the year. You're 7-7-1 seven, seven, and one with your recommendations. And uh, how did you do? I, As you know, I had a five-team parlay of the shaky favorites of the week. Four of those shaky oh favorites God. won, and I was looking... <laughs> but it doesn't matter, because I lost, yeah, which we, is exactly what I was trying to do. So I was looking through the scores, like, you know, mid, like 2.30, 3 o'clock p.m. And I'm like, oh, man, I bet one of these teams is, is going to screw up my bet. And sure enough, all I needed was the Falcons to hold a 23 nothing lead. And I was like, this is the most terrifying position in sports. <laughs> and then I looked down at my phone. It's 23-7, to and the Vikings have the ball again. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going to lose because the Vikings came back and, you know, Outscored their opponent, but uh, scored the Falcons by 30 points. But sure enough, the Falcons did do what I said, which is that they had that exciting, you know, post Dan Quinn week where the offense just ran wild. And uh, yeah, it, the Ingber's loser continues 0 and 6. And that was only a nine to one bet. So I won like 11. Um, all right. Let me get to mine. Uh, I am going to go with a list. I talked about it with crack. I'm doing it here. I don't care how big the line is. I know this is some square shit. Sue me. I want the Bills minus 12 and a half. This is an angry Bills team taking on a Jets team that is in disarray. And I, I to me, this feels like a 30-point win. And I, I know it's corny, but I'm taking it. I really don't care. What do you think about that bet? Uh, Ingber's loser may feature nice. this game as well. Um I think There's we're on the same side. a lot of other games that I think are really exciting. Um, I'm going to go with a total for my love or my love. What's the middle one? Love, right? You got the, yeah, the, the love lean. And I'm going to go for my love. Another thing I said to crack, I'm going to go under Dallas, Washington, 47. Uh, I know it's not a lot of points, uh, but I just think it's going to be struggle city. Actually, you know what? Scratch that. I'm not doing it. That's an awful idea. Why would I take the under on a Dallas Cowboys game? I'm going to regret that. Instead, I'm changing that to an over of the Detroit Lions-Atlanta Falcons game. It's 55. This is what we like to call a double bounce back. Matt Ryan's got Julio Jones. The Lions secondary absolutely stinks. It's in a dome. Matt Stafford, it was a lot of running last week. They're taking on the Atlanta Falcons defense. Double crappy defense, double quarterbacks looking to pad their stats. We're going over 55 Lions Falcons. Ingber, your thoughts? Yeah, we knew the uh, the Lions are going to be, they're still adjusting because overs are more fun to bet on. And uh, when thing when an over seems too easy, I'm a little shaky on it. I'm a little nervous to to make it a full recommendation, but I like where your head's at. I do like the idea of quarterbacks that are not necessarily in pole position for the playoffs saying, screw it, I just want to <laughs> get three or four touchdown passes I, I and get my name back in the conversation. I think it's an enormous Kenny Galladay explosion game. 
I don't know if I can bet sure. props on this, but that would be the prop that I would bet. And actually, you know what? I'm switching that bet to my lock. I'm going to make that my big one. My love, I am going to go with the game that I originally talked about uh, and took off, which is the Cowboys. I am taking them at, I am seeing minus one and plus one. So what what is the line that you're seeing? Do you see a line for Cowboys Washington? It started as a pick'em. I just want to know. I'm taking the Cowboys to to cover. Sorry, my it's computer's being a little good. strange right now. I'll take it as a pick'em. We can cut the difference. <laughs> I have uh, Cowboys I'll minus take one it. right now. I I to me it's it's such a big bounce back game. Um and I want the Cowboys. I think Andy Dalton proves a lot of people wrong. Um, so I'm going to go with that. So I'm going Falcons-Lions over, Cowboys minus one, and then the third was Bills minus 12 and a half because, come on, baby, let's target the Jets. And what will be Ingber's losers? As you know, I'm trying to get semi-long shots this week. It's the Jets plus 450 money line to win outright over the Bills, parlayed with the Raiders plus 123 to beat the Bucks. Just no chance of both of those things happening in the same week. Parlay those together. It's plus 1126. Easy money. If you've been betting with Ingber all year, you would have made $8.90. No, you probably would have been over. It's actually $46. tabulated. Thank you. Do you have a famous 46? Tough Famous number. 46. Ugh, right. I believe. Oh, man. I don't know a good 46. Jason Collins, Brooklyn Ooh. Nets. I don't have a 46. Do you have a best 46? Let us know. Hit us up on the Left Coast Show and let us know the 46s that we're missing. Good luck with your bets. Thank you again to Crack. Thank you again to Mina Kimes. Thank you again to David Ingber, as always, for David Ingber. If a recipe calls for a tablespoon of table salt, it's actually a tablespoon and three quarters of a teaspoon of kosher salt. Know your conversions. And uh, I'll end with, if your fiance uh, does not have an immersion blender and takes soup things and then puts it into a magic bullet, but then doesn't screw the top on enough and a hot soup goes all over your kitchen and because there's turmeric in it it stains some of the walls just know that after you're done cleaning up it's okay to laugh on their face for what they just did not that that happened i know it was weirdly specific i'm the lefkop man and we holla 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 that's it